get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, it is the State of Combat Podcast with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Uh, fired up, folks, back as always uh, with a bang. Yeah, I said it right there. The the uh, the syringe is overfloweth with that performance enhancing audio. UFC 250 in the rear view. But I wish it was that simple, folks, on the Mixed Martial Arts Edition today. We're going to talk 250. We're going to talk the Lioness. But we're going to do a lot of talking about a lot of explaining that UFC and Dana White and company will have to do now that this new pandemic has arose of fighter pay, unhappy fighters, pay that men his money, all that, and then some. But you know I don't do this thing alone, right? Let me bring in my Hall of Fame buddy. He's a AEW wrestling personality and phenomenon. He's an earthquake survivor, always sweet, never sour, a tower of power. It is the great Sugar Rashad Evans. What's happening, man? What's up, BC? Listen, my man, 50 grand. I love it. I love it. I love it. Every single time you announce me, I just get chills. It, it does something to me, BC. It does something to me. Okay, okay. Let's not let it do too much to you. All right. <laughs> uh, um, Rashad, uh, we're living this life. It's, there's, some, there's some unprecedented craziness. How are you down there in South Florida? I'm good, man. Just uh, keep my mind uh, sharp and, uh, you know, meditating like crazy. Just keeping uh, some peace within. That's the only place you can have, find uh, peace these days. At CBS, uh, they, they allow us access to this Headspace app. So I've been effing around with some meditation. There's some exercise meditation. There's some wind down, go to sleep meditation. You know, I've, I've been getting in my own head. It's been working out, Rashad, you know? See, that's that's the key. See, I had to get some of this uh this this app i gotta get some get on that take advantage of the, of what the company is giving you uh you know what the company called ufc has given us great fights rashad ufc 250 was fantastic this week and we're gonna have a lot of that to break down for sure um a lot of other ish hitting the fan boxing is gonna kick off this week uh i feel like the country's coming back rashad for all the craziness and the rightful craziness with 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 the protests and people waking awakening to a uh to a new reality that needs to become a new reality. Um, COVID's still there, but I feel like, you know, with summertime coming, life's going to get slowly get a little bit normal, right? If you, you feel a normalcy lately? I'm, feel, I'm feeling a little bit of it. You know, I think uh, since the heat of the uh, protests and riots have calmed down, you know, some of the, um, uh, the temperament has kind of cooled down a little bit and, uh, you know, people are starting to uh, come together and starting to, you know, once once the hot hotness of, of the situation is dissipated, now people are starting to come out on the other side. And hopefully we start moving together collectively where we can all start making some big improvements and differences for all of us, you know? Uh, swimsuit season is also kind of upon <laughs> us there. You're, the, the, the abs ready for this season, Rashad? They stay ready, baby. They stay ready with this new diet, baby. They stay ready. <laughs> it's in Florida. There's hot and really hot. All right, indeed. Uh, hey, speaking of Florida, just wrap the Epstein doc on Netflix. That's a disturbing run. You catch that, Rashad? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty disturbing. It happened right down, like, not right down the street, but pretty close to uh, pretty close to South Florida. I mean, where I'm at. Indeed. Wow. Wow. Lot of, lots to spin off. Maybe our <sighs> Patreon After Hours podcast where we talk government conspiracy, we can get into that. But for now, let's hit it off the top. UFC 250. Uh, both you and I provided analysis, of course, to CBS Sports HQ right after the fight. We were hugely impressed by what the Lioness did. Amanda Nunes making history, first female to defend titles in two divisions. Uh, she may even be the first UFC fighter ever to do it while holding both belts at the same time, joining Henry Cejudo and Daniel Cormier as uh, title defenders in two divisions overall. Rashad, uh, I was impressed with Felicia Spencer on just a toughness level. I'm seeing a lot of people dropping crap bombs on her, though. Oh, she never should have been in here. She offered nothing. Um, can people realize that uh, you, it's, tough, it's tough to fight Amanda Nunes? I mean, let, can we wake up? Go revisit uh, Felicia's fights with Cyborg and Megan Anderson before you're throwing that, that crap around here. Yeah, I mean, listen, Amanda, Amanda Nunes is, is unlike anybody else we've ever, we ever seen. You know, she's... 
you know, beat the best who we thought were the best, who we thought were untouchable, and, and she's knocked them out within the first round. So it just goes to show how bad this woman is. And, you know, Felicia Spencer, she's still relatively new to the UFC and still relatively new to compete inside the octagon. So it's going to take some time for her to figure herself out inside the octagon. When Amanda Nunes came on the scene, she didn't come out like she is right now. You know, it took her a little bit to get going. And now we're seeing what, what, that, what that time has done for her. It's transformed her totally into a beast. So who's to know what this fight and what this experience has done for Felicia Spencer? But for the most part, she's got some uh, stripes just from hanging in there with, with Amanda Nunes and taking the shots that she did. And anybody who can say uh, something wrong with, with what she was, uh, you know, for her her. For, from her performance from just uh, moving forward is crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you're not going to really do anything against Amanda. You got to credit Jermaine Duran to me for lingering in that last fight, for finding, yeah. making it uncomfortable for Amanda, who also admitted after she had a really tough cut to 135. Well, that 145, Amanda looks both strong yet still quick. Uh, the technique is there. The power is there. Obviously, we have to give credit. Spencer leaned on her the elite things that she brought, which was – toughness durability size she lingered the fight could have been stopped mid third round it maybe should have been stopped in rounds four and five but she showed you something in that performance um we have the same conversation though after amanda wins each time which is oh my god who the hell is she gonna fight i can't find anybody not named shevchenko who can fight her and this i think it's still true i'm starting to to wonder if there's a a new conversation rashad how much longer will she keep fighting at 32 first child on the way with her uh partner nina Ansarov. It, it you know you could look at it either way if, if there's if she's going to be able to just destroy one challenger after another that's not a bad way to bank millions over time right uh, you also could get bored and just walk away what do you really see as amanda's realistic future I mean, I think at this point, you know, she's left in a category of her own, you know, when it comes to establishing what she's done, she's in a category of greatness on her own, even on, you know, the champ champ level, she went in there and, and, and won up the champ champs by being the first one to defend one of the championship belts that she earned. So um, I think at this point for her, it's just a matter of her finding a way to compete with herself and making it fun you know, find a way to make those records put uh, out so far out of reach that no one can ever catch her. But as far as finding somebody w- within a short time, if, if someone new just doesn't hop up on the scene, then there's going to be no one for a while. Uh, let's talk 145 real quick. Megan Anderson is out there. It's probably a most likely uh, opponent when and if Amanda defends that title over the next year. Amanda did say she, that she thinks she's done fighting in 2020 with a baby on the way. Totally in the quarantine, totally understandable. Uh, look, I like what Megan Anderson brings to the table. Length, a ground game, a different look. Uh, you know, a lot of people laughing at that idea that she could push her. I'm here for that fight. That's fine. But let's not act like there's any other featherweights in the world. And then you got Bantamweight. You're going to see Irene Aldana coming up, Aldara against uh, Holly Holm, which is, a, which is an interesting fight. That's going to be interesting. I just don't see anyone at Bantamweight, even Aspen Ladd, who I like a lot, where you can really make a case that they can push her. I mean, Rashad, it's like we all keep saying it's Shevchenko or nothing in terms of uh, an Amanda Nunes fight that we would really care about. Dana kind of dropped the doogie on it late Saturday. He's like, I've seen that fight twice. I've seen how it ended both times. It's like, hey, Uncle Dana, okay, bro, um, let's not forget that that second fight was a pick okay? Let's also yeah. not forget that that first fight, even though Valentina lost, she was coming on. She was coming on in round three, all right? So let's not forget that. He seems to like the idea of Weili Zhang, if she can keep things going at flyweight, moving up. I'm sorry, at strawweight, moving up to fight Shevchenko. She sees that as a valent he sees that as a valentina super fight not the newness fight uh rashad we know that there's four ufc women's division and we know that historically only one of them is competitive and has a top 10 that like of credible fighters it's it's called strawweight can we let Li zhang like deal with all the killers there like right. she's gonna have tatiana suarez she's gonna have rose nami Yunus. i mean just Andra- i mean there's some killers there right can we let that play out and can we tell valentino when you're ready to come back to 35 we would gladly make this fight for you yeah and and, and not for nothing i think that that jump between you know 115 and, and 125 is a massive one for the women and for some reason it just doesn't seem to to transfer well. Every woman that I've seen going up, they just haven't really 
looked as hot as I thought they would look or looked as good as I thought they would look once they got to that weight class. You know, um, <laughs> so so I, I think that having somebody come up like 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 uh, Wei Li Zhang, it, it really doesn't do anything because those fighters at 115, they're not like the fighters at 125 and that can be a 135 pounder or can be a 145 pounder. These women are, are their stature is smaller. They got a smaller frame. So I just don't think it'll transfer as well as the 125 and 135 matchup. It does make me lament the idea that we never got the cyborg rematch for Amanda because I think, it, you know, it was, it would have been a big fight. Cyborg deserved a second chance. I, I Amanda agree. Peter, so it's certainly not fluky. They got into a brawl, and Amanda was the better striker. But you know, it ended so quickly that you're like, "Is the second one different?" I understand that Cyborg kind of shot herself in the foot with some some of the way she handled that. But she got a you know she got a raw deal there. That that's a fight that we should have been able to see without that fight and without you know Kayla Harrison joining UFC and fighting Amanda at some catchweight, which just doesn't seem like it's realistic right now and they're also teammates, by the way, um, that Valentina fight is the only fight that makes sense, Dana, so make it. And Rashad, I think Valentina has added so much more confidence from going back to her natural weight and just destroying folks that I thought she edged Amanda in the second chapter, and she could beat her in the third one. Especially I think so, if, too. If 135 is not an easy cut for the champ anymore. I mean, does Dana, like, what, what's, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I know he loves Wei Zhang. He loves the idea of a Chinese champion that can be in two divisions and make a ton of money for the car. I, I get it. Okay. I get it. But very few people have a chance at any point in their run to, to be the GOAT or beat the GOAT. And I know people hate, well, the, the, women's, the women's division has been around for like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. Stop naming everybody the GOAT. But if Valentina Shevchenko definitively defeated Amanda Nunes and became a two division champion, you could argue she'd be the GOAT. I'm sorry. Maybe she doesn't have as, as detailed a run of retiring legends like Amanda does, but we've really never seen Valentina compromised at all in the cage, only in that first right. fight with Amanda, and she figured it out and, and came on late. Um, she's a great, historic, all-time fighter. I want to see her get that chance. I want to make sure that there's no debate. I don't want to be sitting in my backyard, Rashad, cracking cold ones by the fire pit, which I will. I do. I am. I live it. Uh, but one day, not knowing. deep in Not knowing. Which lady was better, right? Right? Come on. No, come on. I, I feel you. But even if that fight don't happen, I think, honestly, JDR is somebody, too. I, look, look. I, 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 that, that, that fight they did, the last fight they did, the second fight they did, I thought that, you know, JDR gave us troubles in areas where it feels like if she was a little bit strong in her grappling game, then it would have posed some serious problems from Amanda Nunes. So that may be something to see in, in, in the future as well, too. Uh, but at this point, it, I mean, Amanda Nunes is, is, a, is, is on top of everything and there's no one that can get her off. And she's such an awesome person. I, I'm, I'm glad that she's been getting, you know, F Darren Ravel and his tweets over time, which have proven wrong. You know, Amanda's got the Modelo sponsorship. She's doing a lot of little side projects here and there. You'd love to see that because she stands for so many things that are right mm -hmm. and good in the world. And we sort of rightfully love the, the, the relationship between her and Nina, how playful they are, how much they welcome people into their life on social media. Like you love to see this happen to a great person. And she's like, right. all the success is just, she deserves it. She deserves it. She's, she's somebody that rightfully UFC is, is building around and getting behind. And like, as much as I was like, you know, this, this fight really didn't feel like a pay-per-view on paper. Well, Hey, it delivered like a pay-per-view and numbers wise, whether it's our numbers on CBS sports or some of the early numbers for UFC, it seemed to have delivered at the box office too. So, you know, Amanda, she is that, she is that goat. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing, nothing bad to say. Nothing at all. No, none of that. I mean, that card was amazing. I mean, everybody fought so well on that card. Uh, it, it was amazing. All right, we're going to be right back after this. A quick pause for the cause, and then it's Bantamweight time, because that's really what UFC was all about at 250. Bantamweight season upon us right after this. Dig it. And we're back. BC. Sugar Rashad bringing that heat, folks. That's me bringing that heat. That's me bringing that heat. He did. He did, folks. He did. I've been there. I've seen it. Uh, Rashad, 250 was about the Bantamweights. We saw a trio of interesting fights on the pay-per-view main card in which 
you know, you could make a, a serious debate here. Whose night was it? Okay, it was Amanda Nunes's night, but separate that. Whose night was it? Here's your, here's the nominees. Cody Garbrandt. All right. Sugar Sean O'Malley, your son. Or Al Jermaine Sterling in their own way. Each man exceeded the potential expectations of what they could have done with a win there and basically pounded their chest and were like, look at me. Which one was the most impressive in your eyes? Man, I, 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 all of them were so equally impressive, but I got to go with the one that resonated with me the most, the one that I felt the most. And I got to go with Cody Garbrandt because I was on that, that fight streak, that, that three-fight losing streak, and, and I ended my career losing. And I always wanted – I always hoped, I fantasized for that one punch that Cody landed. And he landed that punch. And, and a piece of me, a piece of me cried, BC, for real. A piece of me, a one little tear came down. And, and, and I felt that punch because that's the punch that I wanted. If I would have had that punch, I would have walked away and said, you know what? I retired now. But Cody landed that punch for me. And uh, know, it was Chuck, amazing. You the Iceman with one of the greatest punches in your That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. But I, I was happy for Cody because I know what it's like to go uh, through the frustration of not having, uh, not winning a fight for so long and to, you know, on his, in his part, being knocked out three times in a row, going for what you know. You know what I'm saying? So that had it to just mentally uh, be so hard for him to overcome and then for him to end it the way he did. What a finish. The chef's kiss. You just gave it. What a finish. It was a good finish. I, I like a good finish. Oh, we all do. We all do indeed. Uh, to put the train back on the tracks was so good to see for a guy who's 28 who has so much potential yet. You know, we said it coming in in terms of this being a crossroads fight, Rashad. If Cody had lost that fight and lost badly, like, you know, you sell, you sell the stock. You know, he's not done. He can still F around, put wins and losses. But, you know, we're not going anymore. The yeah. idea of Cody Garbrandt, the brand, future. Yeah, he ain't, he ain't co-maining no event. He ain't co-maining no, no, no event. It's over. And so for him not yeah. only win, not only deliver a it really pretty much the knockout of the year, and when you consider that Sean O'Malley earlier in the night, which we'll get to, had a knockout in which Joe Rogan thought in the moment may have been the greatest knockout of all time to have Cody come back a little bit later and give almost a better one, depending on your preference there. Um, it was like vintage Cody Garber. It, was, it wasn't just the calm and poised guy who disarmed Dominic Cruz in a great title win. It was Rashad uh, 2.0. It was, I'm going to take some stuff from Mark Henry, from Ricardo Almeida, from, the three, from that journey of the three losses, and I'm going to go back to like, putting forth what I have in a smart way. I've never seen him that quick, that, that smart in his reactions, that dangerous and deadly. I mean, he's always been a, a one-punch guy if he had to be, but the way he set things up and used speed but also used poise because, you know, people could rip a Sunsaw's before he was flat. Well, Sunsaw didn't know what to do because Cody's speed was, was really getting the best of him. And once Rafael was able to mix in some sneaky shots, you know, Cody never buckled. He never got wild. Like we were waiting to see. He stuck with it. Uh, Mark Henry and company Rashad have been able to take the best of him and help him get it out of him. And you could do nothing but be happy at that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was, I was impressed with his footwork for a minute. He kind of looked like Frankie Edgar, the way he was moving around with this herky jerky movement and a starting and stopping and all those misdirection movements that, that you see him doing. Now it's going to be really interesting to see when he really starts to get into the game of Mark Henry, when he starts adding in the knee picks to the punches up top and then back to the shots that you see Frankie has such a good dynamic uh, style of mixing up the high, low attacks and stuff like that. And with somebody that has hands as fast as, as Cody Garbrandt, he can take that to the next level because Frankie Edgar was quick with his hands, but Cody Garbrandt has another level with his hands. His hands are super, super fast, and I think Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida can do some amazing things with him. And this is where UFC's reputation of tough matchmaking for everyone actually helped Garbrandt, you know, because you, you could have argued when you come off three straight knockout losses and you're an ex-champ, I mean, they could have floated him, uh, you know, a body waiting to get KO'd. I'm sorry, like, even at 37, coming off two losses, Hafael's a dangerous-ass dude. People don't one-shot him, Rashad, you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. got a chin, 
He's a great counterpuncher. He's strategic. He's tough as balls. You don't finish him like that. And yet no, you don't. it's a buzzer beater that like it made it, you know, he made him look like some regional guy. I mean, he put his hand on the cage. He he pulled that punch from his grandmama's kitchen back in the day when he was five years old. <laughs> and he hit him with the kitchen pan with that joint. That's where that punch came from. It was it was out of this world, man. So that was amazing, amazing shot. So when it's high risk, high reward in a crossroads fight, uh, you can gain the reward. And I think his reward is he is instantly catapulted back into this title picture, Rashad. And it's already a gluttony of riches at Bantamweight. I mean, it is such a great division. This card was the showcase opportunity. All three main card bouts on the pay-per-view level delivered. And now it's like, where the hell does the UFC go? I don't think you put Cody into into a title shot yet because there's it's already log jammed. We're going to get uh, Peyote or Jan against Jose Aldo, whether you like it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about Aljo in a second made the leap. Sean O'Malley is probably a year away. you got plenty of Pedro Munoz type guys in the middle who can be one or two wins away. you got all the old names, the Edgars, the, the, the Fabers and crew. I mean, this division is wonderful. Yet, you know, Cody's probably – one more win away from being yeah. right there. I mean, I, I'm going to be very interested to see who he gets next because uh, it's got to be somebody tough. It, you know, it may, it may end up being a main event or a pay-per-view co-main because he's got that, that name value. But uh, he, he looked, I mean, he looked like he's back, you know, you no, got, he, he does this, this whole 135, uh, you know, the move and, and this whole push and this whole, what we're seeing in 135 division as far as exciting fights and his talent, emerging it reminds me of of remember when boxing kind of had this happen where you seen like the Manny Pacquiao's and all these lighter fighters start getting all this attention and exciting people want to see the lighter guys fight I think now we're entering that stage in UFC where people are like listen I want to see these light guys get after because they got the action pack and now what we're seeing you know these guys get knocked out with the one hitter quitters. And before that's kind of something that didn't, that kind of turned people off about the 135 and the lighter weight class, the fact that they will always go to decision. They just didn't have the punch to power ratio, but now we're seeing that that's changing. These guys are knocking people out. And it's crazy that, you know, Henry Cejudo gives up the title. The division gets only hotter and deeper with more yeah. fights that you can make for him. And I know uh, they just published the Henry Cejudo Joe Rogan interview, which I hadn't had a chance to really check out yet to, to listen to his thoughts on the future of his career. But I did see a headline from ESPN just 24 hours ago that Henry's like, you know, I would consider coming back for the right name, including Alexander Volkanovsky, as we know, for an attempt to become a three-division champion. But, you know, we, we've talked about in the past, we never thought Henry Cejudo was actually done. And just the idea, Rashad, of him paratrooping back into this division for a money fight against anyone whether it's a you know a young stud coming up a old name on the way out i mean it just adds so much more potential fun wow you're right and you were right about the small weight class in boxing i called them the featherweight four kings remember when pacquiao barrera morales and juan manuel marquez all fought each other crazy amount of times at 26 30 35 and then you know two of them went up to welterweight together uh that was a a crazy run right there um you mentioned cody may have won the night a lot of people could have said aljamain sterling with that performance against Corey sanhagen in the 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 fight of the night on paper top four guys we said coming in you could have put the vacant title bout you just could have been for the for all the gold because it was that great of a fight rashad we said it was a pick 'em, but I think that we believed that we'd seen the best of Aljo. We knew he could win this fight. You know, if it became a back and forth affair, maybe he could gut out a you know decision. But I never expected him to leap through my screen. I thought if there was a fighter that of the two that I didn't know how great he could be, it was Sanhagen. I thought he was the dark horse. By the way, he still might be. It's one loss. Let's not kill him here. But what Aljo did in the moment grab the baton, grab the bull by the horn, if you will, and was like, this is my night. This is my division. Don't start fantasy making Corey Sanhagen against the winner of Aldo and Jan. Sign me up. Crown me. I'm the guy. Rashad, uh, I am to the point where I think it's time for UFC to take an L here. Go, you know what? (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't have thrown Josie Aldo in coming off a loss to try to add star power to a vacant title bout. Um, 
maybe Aljo's ready right now to see if he can be that star. And by the way, if he lost to Peter Yan, well, you got you got a star right there. Let the young guys duke it out, Rashad. I'm sorry. I love me some Jose Aldo, but he needs to be fighting, uh, you know, name it. He needs to be fighting any of the old names in this division. Oh, and, and just before you before you mention that, uh, I didn't tell you that TJ Dillashaw is also coming back to this division. So that just tells you how awesome this division is. But uh, talk to me about Aljo Sterling here. Like, give him the title bout. Seriously. Right. I mean, listen, I, I, I didn't expect it at all. I didn't expect Aljo to come in there looking like a grown man. If you look at Aljo when he came in there, you didn't expect, expect him to just completely strong arm San Hagen. He came in there built up, had chesticles and everything. And you've never seen Aljo with chesticles, but Aljo was ripped up. He was pretty big, man. So I think that allowed him to go in there and impose his, his dominant uh, jiu-jitsu game, which, you know, you would have never suspected that he had such a dominant jiu-jitsu game over Corey Sanhagen, who has such great leverage jiu-jitsu being the taller fighter and uh, just, just made short work of him. But it just goes to show the testament and just the mindset and belief that he has in himself right now. And in that camp in, um, in, in Long Island with Longo and those guys and, and uh, Matt Sarah, you know, he's getting better and better. And, and he's getting, you know, great tutelage from the Chris Weidmans and all those guys from his camp who's, who's already been in that star position. So he's been able to grow at such an exponential rate and at such a steady rate where right now he's looking – like like he is the best 135 pounder and honestly speaking you know you you can put him on his feet put him on the ground but when you look at aljo and his mindset and his physicality right now there isn't a 135 pounder he can't match up with yeah like i'd love to be like oh the explosion the the jujitsu was so great no i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to uh, filthy casual explain this win. <laughs> he wanted to make a statement, and he just, like, his confidence was at an all-time level. His hunger, he didn't want to be left behind. There's so many cooks in this Bantamweight kitchen, and he wanted to let you know what The Rock is cooking, so to speak. But <laughs> uh, here's what The Rock was cooking afterwards when he called out Peyotr Jan in the post-fight interview. Rashad, I always like you as an ex-fighter, as an ex-champion, to take me inside the mind of the fighter. What is... Sterling trying to say right here. You better win your fight because I'm coming on your ass, are we effing or are we fighting? You know, I mean, it's all the same, right? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, he's coming for him, I guess. He's really, really coming for him, and he wants him in the most desperate way. Yes, yes, he did correct himself there. We didn't, we didn't play that part, but that was uh, – Wow, you know that was. Uh, I'm gonna you know, <laughs> you know, you know that reminds me. You know that reminded me of. Hey, do you remember when Chuck? I mean, when uh, Vanderlei Silva first came to the UFC and they asked him, you know, who does he want to fight next? And then he accidentally used the wrong F word instead of yeah. saying fight. He said the wrong one and said he wanted to F Chuck. <laughs> um, yes, it reminded me a lot of this Jeff Jarrett promo. I'm going to have to apologize ahead of time because I'm going to stretch his ass like it's never been stretched before. Whoa, okay. Well, you know, I just want to get there. <laughs> I am sick and tired. Uh, <laughs> ABC, listen, sometimes you just get caught up in the moment and the words just get ahead of you and you want to grab them back the minute they leave your mouth, but it's already too late. It's already hit people's ears. I've done that many times on podcasts, you know? Are you kidding me? Stick it right in me, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa. No, 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 no. All right. One more for you. And tell him, Blanchard, you can't run and hide from me anymore. And when we come to Philadelphia this time, there's going to be no mistake in what's going to happen. I'm going to come on you like nobody's ever come on you before. All right. That's it. The FCC is shutting down the podcast. Um, Aljo looks spectacular. Sanhagen will bounce back. Uh, he's going to be guaranteed, Aljo, the winner of Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo, which is going to be a great fight unto its own. Rashad, uh, we're going to talk about O'Malley in a second, but as things stand right now, the year of our Lord, 2020, we're in June. If I said not even 12 months from now, six months from now, okay? So that's, uh, that's New Year's Eve, all right? 2020 into 2021. Who is your bantamweight champion? Man, I gotta say Aljo at this point, man. I have to say Aljo, and 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 I, and I say that because I believe he has the ability 
to beat Peter Yan, and I know Peter Yan is, is extremely well-rounded, has great hands, has great fight acumen, can fight anywhere, but when it comes to the physicality, I think that that's where he's lacking at, and I think that that's where Aljo just showed that he has taken taken up his his uh, his focus. So I think physically speaking, he's not going to be able to keep Aljo off him. Can't wait to see how this all plays out, and we can't go any further without mentioning your son, Sugar Sean O'Malley, who was in a let's say less competitive fight on paper against uh, the veteran thirty-seven-year-old Eddie Wineland, but there's 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 different ways you can win a fight and look spectacular. He looked extra, extra, extra spectacular in one punching, a, a, a you know, durable foe, former WEC champion. Could this have been a trap fight if Sugar Sean wasn't the real? Maybe. I'm not going to disrespect Eddie Wineland. But for Sugar Sean to step up in a showcase moment and just kick the door down the way he did and have the flavor, the swag, the hair – and then the stone-cold reaction afterwards of, like, I'm not impressed. Pay me. You know, like, F you. Pay me. Uh, I mean, look, I don't want to get excited at the new toy, right? I don't want to get excited at the, yeah. new, the new cute girl that moved in down the road before we find out, you know, if she's the real. But, uh, <laughs> everything is coming up Sugar Sean O'Malley. And, and, and I, believe, I believe he could sell. I believe he can finish. I believe he's tall. Like, I, I believe, Rashad. I want to believe. Yeah, I, I believe too, man. And, uh, you know, I, got, I get chills just thinking about his performance because we've seen a big knockout, but what, what spoke volumes to me is what he did before. How, do, how did he control a very um, aggressive Wyland uh, and, and a very experienced Eddie, Eddie Wyland who was coming with some great pressure? And, uh, and, and he's actually a pretty smart fighter. And um, you've seen right out the gate uh, Sean O'Malley trying to go for things. You know, he – he went for one kick, then right out of that, he went for a spinning kick and, and just really was just letting his uh, technique fly. And um, that takes a lot. That takes a lot of confidence. But you get to really sense his confidence on the timing of that shot that he landed at the end of the fight because he knew that shot was going to be the shot. And you can tell that, by the way, he knew he didn't have to follow up anything. He pulled out and walked off at the way. And, and that, to me, is the sign of – the perfection of what he achieved while he was sitting out in timeout, you know, and these, these, that, that timeout was an unfortunate thing for him, but sometimes the blessings are in the setbacks, you know, and that was a case. This is a case of, of the blessing being in the setback for somebody like Sean O'Malley. You know, he might not be looking as good as he, he is right now if he was still competing and had not had that time off. I think having those two years off, allowed him a chance to mature in his game, mature, mature in his mindset, and now come on the scene being a, a potential contender. It's hard to say that, you know, he's not in the conversation of somebody we can, uh, should consider uh, should be in, in the running for this belt. Absolutely. And, and, you know, he also let his freak flag fly. He was like, you know, I'm marketable. This is who I am. Like, if you're a casual fan and you watch that whole fight card, he might be the guy you're talking about afterwards. Like, you know, yeah. the category of being a full presentation, he nailed it. I hope he gets paid what he deserves. Uh, obviously, a lot of people, that's the theme. That's the theme we're going to get into. It's very important. A lot of people talking about uh, pay me what I deserve. But um, he seems more on like the, hey, I'm getting 40 to show and 40 to win. And, you know, I could be main eventing right now. So pay me. And I mean, and that's, and, that, and that's the education of these young fighters. You know, he's, he's got probably uh, close to 900,000 followers. So he understands that with that kind of following comes money. Well, so, unlike a Henry Cejudo or a Colby Covington, whose personas were more, you know, created, were more, you know, deliberate in terms of this is the character I want to play. And even Conor McGregor, who I believe largely was real and playing himself. And that's, you know, a big part of his success, being so bold and being able to back it up in the cage. But even more than all of those guys combined, Sugar Sean just seems real. Like you believe his swagger. You, you, you don't believe that he's dyeing his hair those colors because, oh, let me do one more thing to get people to notice me. I believe like he would be doing that if he was living in a trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah. He comes off as legit, and, and, that and that's and that's why he resonates so so much with people. You know, he resonates with with his generation, and he speaks volumes to his generation. And uh, these these kids, you know, they they 
they see him and they're like, I can, I know that guy, you know, he, he, he grabs their attention. You know, my nieces and nephew, they're like, oh man, a sugar guy, you know him, you know, he's pretty cool. And he's, he's got their attention because of, you know, he speaks from, from their perspective, you know, and uh, that he has a huge following because of so. I love it. I love it. Uh, Rashad, do you have anyone else that impressed you at UFC 250? You can go to a lot of directions here. Anyone else jump off the screen where you're like, I got to watch this person moving forward. That's a big win. Man, who do we have on a card? Let me think here. We had Ian Heinish getting getting that. Oh, my gosh. Heinish? Yes. Who who else do we have? We had Heinish. We had uh, Uh, Neil Magny came on in that third round in a big way. Yeah, I I was impressed with Neil because that that was a tough fight. That that guy uh, that he was was fighting, he's rocking – Rocco Martin is a tough, tough out. And, and it came down to just like what we said, you know, Rocco Martin not having that, that identity in his fighting game, you know what I'm saying? And allowed himself to kind of lose focus on where he was winning the fight towards the end of the fight that, that cost him the fight. So uh, impressive fight by uh, Neil Magny. Yeah, I didn't like the, the scoring on that, but I like that Magny was able to rally and show his gas tank and kind of wait Rocco Martin out and put it on him. Uh, you got to shout out Cody Stammen for, you know, days after his brother's death, keeping that. Oh, my gosh. That, Fighting a yeah. and tough Brian Kelleher who was not going to make it easy. Uh, shout out to that, Rashad. I mean, yeah, was, that, that's, that's the biggest shout out right there, man. That, that right there, being able to compete um, – after losing a family member, your brother, uh, your little brother, uh, it, is, it has to be unimaginably hard. And competing anyways uh, is already a stressful and hard thing to do. And to be able to do that with that in your heart and, and is, uh, is a true testament to, to uh, the, 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 the mindset of Cody Stammen. Uh, shout out to Alex Perez. Those leg kicks on Juicy A Formiga at the, in their flyway bout were deadly. Uh, but Bruce Leroy had a, had a big win that he needed. And, and while the storyline was about Chase Hooper, you know, he's not Sean O'Malley. He may not be ready yet. He's 20 years old. Maybe this was too much too soon. And all those are legit. I mean, Hooper's striking was remedial in some ways, even though he showed you a lot of toughness and pressure. We don't talk about Alex Caceres a lot because he, he, he wins and losses so frequently in terms of flipping that you know he's a character but you know that's a solid ass win he had out there it really was and he showed that um how quirky he is and all the things that he's been known for you know and all and his whole journey you know it it has helped him so much to to rise above uh fighting opponents like this and and he's not a you know he may not be um, the big name guy, but at the end of the day, you got to respect this gangster. You got to respect the fact that this guy comes in here uh, and, and he's very unorthodox, but he can fight and he can fight from a fundamental place too. And he does such a good job of mixing his weirdness with some fundamental technique. And that, that medicine right there, it really showed that, that Chase has uh, a lot of room to grow, you know, and, and even on the feet, you know, Bruce Leroy was able to land some strikes on his feet where you know, typically speaking, normally it almost like he falls into his shots, but he was able to land some clean combinations and look pretty good on the speech. Well, 250 was great. Saturday night was supposed to be about 250, but Rashad, there was some ish bubbling to the surface before, mm. during, and especially after. And I have to believe all of the things we're about to mention are related, even if they're not planned. Even if they're not orchestrated together, they're all related on the same idea of starfighters during this pandemic finally taking a stand. And here's what we're going to get into. John Jones, from what we talked about in the past few weeks with not getting the money against Nganu, publicly feuding Dana White, that hasn't stopped. Then you got Jorge Masvidal picking up the ball and revealing that he was offered half the money he made against Nate Diaz for the BMF title to fight for the real title against Usman on Fight Island this summer. And then on top of that, you got Conor McGregor straight up retiring the second UFC 250 ends on Twitter. Normally we would do the whole, do we believe Conor? But we don't believe Conor. So I believe this is all together, Rashad. This is all part of the same thought process here. And I think you can lump Henry Cejudo into that thought process you're an ex-fighter. You, you get both sides of the coin. What is really going on here? Well, 
what's going on is that the fighters are starting to wake up and starting to understand the economics of, of fighting, you know, and it all, it all goes back to when I, when I was fighting, we were slow to the economic game because we were fighting for different reasons. We were fighting for a reason to be, you know, our thing was just fighting for a platform to fight on to say that we are a sport and we are here. When we finally got on the platform on Fox and, and in those networks, now they're on ESPN. Now that they have fought for their place to be here, now they, they're fighting for their place for equal pay as, as all the other athletes that are performing on that, on that platform. So, you know, that, that is the next thing to come, you know, and, and, and I said it even when the UFC got with the ESPN contract that this is going to happen because when there's more eyes watching your sport, there's more people uh, looking into, you know, the, the, the machinery behind it. And when it doesn't take much looking into it to realize that the split between fighters and organization is, is like what, 90, 10, 95, when in most sports it's 60, 40 or 50, 50. And, um, you know, the, the split isn't what it needs to be, but here's the problem that the fighters are going to be facing. The ones who are looking to, uh, to, 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 to make things right is the fact that now the UFC, they're in a position where, you know, they, they may not, they may not really have it. You know what I'm saying? They, they built the apex center. And then on top of that, you know, they got hit with, uh, you know, everyone's they're, they're, they're fighting through this whole pandemic situation. And now they're having to spend money, which they probably allocated to other areas. And now they have to spend it to trying to prepare themselves to get ready for the new, um, um, can, the, the, the new, uh, standards that that they have to compete with, you know, PPE equipment, testing equipment for for all the athletes, you know, for every single day that they need them to be tested on, and you know, having these uh, I, these athletes isolated and having the hotel isolated and all these different things that the company having to come out of pocket for is is draining and it's hitting their bottom line. So if it's hitting their bottom line, then it's going to have to hit the fighters' bottom line. And it's not only in fighters, not only with fighting, but I've been hearing rumors about other sports, you know, football, basketball, and other other professional organizations that they may have to have their 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 uh, athletes take a bit of a pay cut because of the whole economic squeeze that everyone is feeling. Yeah, there's there's no doubt uh, about the reality of the economic squeeze. I mean, we can't get past. When Dana White says we're going to lose $100 million this year on not having live gates, that's real. What is also real is that Connor, John Jones, Masvidal, I'm sorry, they weren't going to fight anyway in this pandemic unless they're legitimately able to, willing to take smaller cuts than what they're used to, which Rashad, you know, limits their, their value, limits their negotiation power. If, if, if Masvidal comes back against Usman, and I'll admit, certainly it's for the title. You could argue there, there's a long-term you know, gain in that. But you know, if he comes back for half the money he made last time, if that's an accurate statement, you know, you, you're gonna, if you're a businessman in a, in a shark-invested pool in which UFC owns the pool, owns the rules, like they, they have had control for a long time, and you're trying to get your own control, you're not fighting anyway in 2020. But there are so many layers to this story. So while we wondered in the beginning when John was tweeting a lot, if this was right message, wrong time, meaning, yeah, fighters are underpaid, but like you're not going to get paid now, right? UFC's, you know, some of the stuff that Dana White argues back in return is true. He's spending every dollar and time and resource he has just to keep things going so that guys have a chance to fight. That's true right now. We're not going to, you know, that's, that's legit. You're not going to make extra money now. But the reason I think we're realizing why this is the time to actually make this stand and make this fight is because, Rashad, if the live gates were there and UFC had the money that they're used to having, I think that they could do what they always do, which is if one guy takes a big stand, offer him more money than he was making and get him to shut up, right? You know, right. if I come out and say – no way, man. You paid me $2 million last time. I deserve four, right? And I, I'm out. I'm a, release me. I deserve four. And they go, here's three. You go, all right. Yeah, I'll take, I'll, take, I'll take three. That's badass. You know, hopefully I'll get four next time. And you're going to shut up. The, yeah. the proof will be in the pudding when the crowds come back, when the money is back in terms of available cash flow for UFC, and whether fighters 
will will be unified by that point? Will they be willing to stand firm and say, "No, we're stars. We deserve what boxing's making." You know, it can't be where you where your our revenue share is eighteen percent when the NFL's is fifty. We need more. They're going to have to do that when the money's there, Rashad. You know, because well, people are going to be opportunists. People are going to be willing to cross that picket line, so to speak, and go. Well, if you're not going to take that money, I'll take it. Right. 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 For sure. For sure. So, the, the, the scab, the scab mentality would be in there, right? But here, here's here's another thing. I feel as if like, you know, the problem is really complex. Also, because you know, you you have uh, on one aspect, you have, um, you know, Dana White admitting the fact that you know things are up in the UFC as far as the viewership and everything like that is up, you know, seven, you know, he did an interview where you talk about, uh, you know, Laura Sanko didn't, you know, her, her interviews and her, her attention, she's getting 7 million views, you know what I'm saying? So with that kind of viewership, you know, money comes along with it, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing, but here's another thing that we have to really consider. And, and, and as in in being in a position of UFC, you have to, be able to look at the worst outcome of this whole entire thing and just assume that things may not return back to what we would deem as normal as far as having people there in the arena for another two years. So if that's the case, that's a long time. And these new standards and new 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 way of dealing business will become the, the way things are, are the way things are. So uh, these fighters are going to have to make some kind of adjustment to to the way things are because, you know, Dana White said it. You know, they're they're the only show in town right now, and who knows how long that could be. And if you're a fighter and you're negotiating to get the best deal, and then he says, "Nope, go find somewhere else to fight," then you could just, in effect, retire yourself because there may not be another organization for you to fight in. And um, something's you know, got to change, Rashad. So something's got something's got to change, but. And also think about this. How long is a, a fight career? You know, in two, three years without without getting to a live gate and being able to, you know, it, it can take a lot out of those guys who are demanding this money. You know what I'm saying? In two years without a live gate, if you're John Jones who's at the end of your career, what does that do for you? You know what I'm saying? No, it's fair. I, I think that it's also the right time to do this now because because of the pandemic, UFC has time to figure out what things are going to look like right. when he comes back, because there's got to be a compromise. There's got to be a middle ground. But what if what if things don't go back? I, I don't know. I, I have it hard to believe that we're never going to be back to full arenas. You know, okay, like if you're going to tell me we're not going to see a full arena again until you know spring of next year, okay, you know maybe okay maybe you know, but I don't believe we're two three years. I mean, look, anything can happen. This has been unprecedented enough, but. I just mean like this can't go on like this because Rashad, there's a couple truths here. I wrote a story about this on, on CBS Sports this week. Um, fighters have historically always been overpaid. You can't argue it. You just uh, underpaid. You can't argue it. They're they're historically right. underpaid. But UFC is what it is today, Rashad, with the best fighting the best all the time because they're underpaid. So yeah. if you're a fan or journalist, you got to be prepared for this to get better. It's got to get worse. I don't want to see. Boxing matchmaking in UFC. I don't want to see, okay, the only way we can get Connor back in there is if we give him someone worse than an old Cowboy Cerrone who will freeze up on the biggest stage. You know, he's only going to come back if we tee him up. That's the only way we can afford it. I don't want to get to that point in UFC. But some of that could be inevitable. So could a, a work stoppage. But we're going to need fighters to come together. And it's always been a question of would they be willing to stay? You know, not everybody's Randy Couture. Not everybody's willing to go to court or willing to sit out for two years or willing to give you back the title and say, you right. don't know me. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like this is organized right now. Yet, when John Jones said that stuff a couple weeks ago, we were like, okay, this could be a tipping point if more guys speak up. Well, since then, I mean, Jorge's speaking up. Um, since then, Connor just retired, which I think has some selfish reasons in there, but also is, I think, connected to all this. You got Maynard yeah. coming out sharing like, legit inside details about you know fighters from his era a decade ago your era you know that that that, you know you work really hard but if you don't get over that hill you're still struggling you're still making forty thousand for title fights if you're not you know if you're not pushing hard enough so i mean and plus and plus you now have you know the younger guys like uh the sugar shot o'malley's you know who's who's coming off their uh, contender series contract or just kind of want to renegotiate their contender series contract because now they, they know their value. And um, that's, that's what it's 
gonna that's what it's coming down to is that now these guys they want to get paid every single one of these guys i want to get paid i want to get paid i want to get paid and um you know the ufc they are gonna have to figure out a, a paying structure that that does um suit everybody and uh you know it yeah, takes care of the guys percentage and figure out how to still operate the business like you know they've been smart They've been smart, meaning they rescued the sport when it was dead, Rashad. So they made all the rules after that, right? Mm-hmm. They keep fighters hungry. The reason why it's so good is because the best always have to face a tougher guy next. And they're always sort of underpaying you and hanging the carrot enough that you're like, all right, man, I got to take that fight too, and I got to win that. And then hopefully I'll get to that point of just money everywhere. And they've been able to just control for so long, but it can't work anymore when, you, when you're a fighter and you see that the company sells for $4 billion. And then you see Dana bragging about how 2019 was the best year of financial ever. And then you see him bragging the other day about, like you said, the numbers are through the roof, even though we're going through this. And the Reebok deal takes away from your pay. And the new pay-per-view deal takes away from your leverage as a pay-per-view draw in terms of negotiation. Everything's going backwards for the fighters in a lot of ways. They're not seeing the payouts. You know, Tom Brady is getting the payouts, right? The celebrities are getting the payouts. Now I'm starting to wonder if this whole endeavor financial crisis is real, if they are in trouble because of how much debt they took on in buying the UFC, yes. then, then there, there's going to be problems because the UFC is going to have to pay the fighters to keep them happy. But I don't know, Rashad, with expansion into China and all this other stuff, if they can keep the train moving at this rate. See, and, and, that's, and that's the big uh, elephant in the room, right? You know, they, they bought this for $4 billion and they know that they, they've uh, – you know, it's no secret that they've been trying to do their best to, to cover that, that hard, that huge number. And I think, you know, they, they were closing in on that. Uh, but, but with all that said, you know, they have their shareholders and everyone else that, you know, they, they, they have an, they have an obligation to, and they, their, their shareholders were, uh, unadvised and they, they understand that the, how things they were going to be paid, paid based upon how, uh, the structure of how the UFC was, you know, if, if it's restructured, then that will definitely interfere with the shareholders cut and when, and when they do receive their money. So yeah, it, it does throw a whole wrench into the whole program because now a lot of things has to be restructured in order to make things right. It's hard for me. Uh, you know, some things Dana says, I get it. You know, like I said, when he's saying, look, it's a pandemic, nothing's normal right now. Like, what do you want me to do? I mean, to a certain degree, you, you respect that. But when Dana does the whole, you don't want to fight, don't fight thing. They're independent contractors. Well, they're, they're not really though. You're, you're exclusive to the UFC. You can't just go, okay, you can't pay me right now. I'm going to Bellator for my next fight. You know, you're in, right. in, you know, you hear in the tweets from Masvidal and the interview he gave sports center that, you know, the UFC is constantly adding fights onto your deal when you turn fights down. I mean, there's, there's like, they've, they've met, they've met. That's true. That's true. Over yeah, a fighter that it's like when WWE says, Oh, they're independent contractors. They're, you can't go anywhere. So stop right. that. Number one. And number two, Dana historically never addresses the actual issue. When Kevin Ioli late Saturday in the press conference was, what do you make about Masvidal saying you guys only pay 16% of your revenue? Dana's response was, Oh, that guy, that math major, Masvidal, um, he should be he shouldn't talk. We just gave him a new deal. It's like, Dana, you didn't you didn't answer the, the question. You never answer the question, right? You're the boss. I mean I get it. You know what I'm saying? I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. And it's one thing to give this speech to the ultimate fighter guys in two thousand six when you're basically like, look. You don't want to be a blood and guts fighter? Go through that door, right? Go go serve pancakes. You guys want to go back and be a f***ing bartender, a short order cook, a f***ing scientist? If that's what you really want to be, then go for it. You can't say that to a Jorge Masvidal. He has value. You can't say that to a John Jones, who's the greatest of all time. They have value. Rashad, I don't imagine in the next year, if you said gun to your head a year from now, will fighters have tried to join together? Will, Will the managers get together? Will we see another you know, Bjorn Rebney union with GSP. No, that, that failed for obvious reasons. I don't think we will, but something's got to change. And I hope that change isn't the complete devaluing of titles because fighters are smart enough to do this John Jones Cejudo thing and go, okay, you know, you don't want to pay me, then I'm taking leverage back. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's going away. I don't think it's going away. No, nah, so, something does have to change. And I think that, um, 
you know, the, the change may not come um, so much, you know, because because right now the fighters are starting to talk. And the more the fighters start to talk, the more reports will start getting made about this topic. And then the more outside pressure uh, will start coming in, you know, more more analytics of the actual pace, you know, how it all breaks down is going to be made. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of information that can be put together to really put this into a perspective that makes sense for, uh, you know, for a union. So there's a lot of ways that this can actually grow to be a bigger problem uh, than it is right now. And, and it is up to the UFC to find a way to, to, to qualities while they still have a chance to and try to find a way to, to make things right. Uh, even facing the situations that we're facing right now, find a way to be a little bit more uh, upfront with the fighters and talk to them about, you know, about, about what they're facing, you know, on, on a financial level. And just, you know, I think, cause for the most part, fighters want to fight and they understand that Dana has, you know, stepped out and done a big thing by even making it so that they can fight right now and being the first sport back in the face of the pandemic, you know, hats off Dana for doing that. But at the same time, you know, now these fighters, they want to get paid for, for what Dana says is an, is an increase in, in, in viewership and everything else like that. You know, they, they want to get paid for, for doing the risky job, right? Fighting under these conditions, you know what I'm saying? All these different things that, that are, that are, that contribute to, um, to what we're seeing right now. I think that the UFC has to, has to address it. I mean, look, the NFL got it taken care of. The players get a large percentage, you know, like, if, yeah. you know, and they've threatened work stoppages to get there. Um, I think the recent tweets from John Jones, especially in the last 48 hours are, are really telling, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, not, not, not only that, like there, there's things that the fighters need to have as far as like, um, you know, some of our ancillary rights, you know what I'm saying? As far as uh, being able to be compensated for, past fights that you've done, you know, whenever they show a, a fight of yours, yours on, on TV, you know what I'm saying? Why, why, why can't I get a little bit of money for that? You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what, because, because at the end of the day, I think there should be something for fighters to be compensated for the past work. You know what I'm saying? Imagine if every single time they show uh, one of my fights or certain sold any of my merchandise, you know what I'm saying? I was still being compensated. I still do get compensated for the merchandise aspect, but not for, the viewerships and everything else like that on the past work that I've done. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what's missing in the whole equation, because even if they just gave up a piece of that, that would, that would be good. And that would help out a lot of fighters who have already put their time in, in an organization and that would, you know, get some money back from, from their uh, past fights. Crazy, but it's it's right. It's rightful that we're talking about this. It's right that the fighters are fighting back. And even if, as a fan, selfishly, like like I said, it may have to get a little bit worse for a while. You know, if 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 these stars aren't going to fight for a year, things are going to get a little worse, right? You're not going to see, you know, the the fights you want to see. But I, I hope it leads to something good. Because um, I, I don't know. Here here's the deal on covering fight sports, even being a fight sports fan. I'll be really honest here, like especially in boxing, we're not, you know, I see deaths all the time, right? I see ex-boxers that I worshipped as a kid can't even talk. And, you know, MMA is young enough that we haven't seen a lot of those ugly endings. And God forbid, you know, we don't see a death in the octagon one day, but th- this ain't healthy work, Rashad. And right. it doesn't make me, doesn't make it easier to justify my role as a journalist in this game for the, for the you know, the abuse you guys take for our entertainment to fuel my job if if i understand that you're not even getting paid half of what you deserve you know what i'm saying like like you know we can complain a lot about boxing but at least the big stars you know thanks to floyd mayweather have figured out how to scam (laughs) how to basically not scam the system but but because you know beat the system and just be like all right you know i'm gonna take this challenge but i'm gonna get 30 million for it all right plus hot dog sales plus this plus that um you know, it's always going to be haves and have-nots, no matter no matter how you break it down. But even the haves need <laughs> need to be uh, need to be compensated better. So that's that's that. Uh, yeah, don't don't take away my uh, cred- uh, credential, Dana. But it is <laughs> the the less the media knows, the better off it is. You know, his res- actual response Saturday when pressed about this was, "I'll tell you something. I can predict the future. A lot of you media guys are going to be losing your job over the next year, and you're going to be complaining about wanting more money too." It's like. Well, that didn't answer the 
that didn't fix anything, Dana. You know. What I'm well, saying? I mean, but 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 what but what he's speaking about is the economic crush that's happening worldwide, and and I and and I, and I do understand that sentiment, and I do understand what he's what he's saying with that, and maybe he doesn't want to sound sound the alarm, but I I I, I do feel him because I don't. It's scary what's happening on an economic level in this world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, who knows what's going to happen? So if he's providing a job, I get it. No, it's true. I mean, and obviously if, if he's not putting on these fights, more of these media jobs are going away. The UFC employees are going to go away. So uh, I'm not taking anything away from Dana being able to put it back on the tracks, but he's got a certain – Grace period now to figure out what the future right. is going to look like. We'll see where that goes. Uh, Rashad, speaking of Dana, he's going to announce what Fight Island really is and where it is and show us pictures this week. But a couple of Brazilian out- outlets have seemed to jump the gun based on some information they got around the upcoming Darren Till Robert Whitaker fight that's planned for Fight Island this summer. And it looks like it's in Abu Dhabi? What? Rashad, does this kill, if this is true, and Dana and UFC have not confirmed this, but would this kill your, your phoner, so to speak? You know what? Fuck <laughs> hard right now with emotion. I got a fight boner, as Jake Hager would say. When we thought of Fight Island, we romanticized the idea that it's in the Caribbean and there's sharks right. and it's on the beach and it's Epstein and the be- – all right, maybe not Epstein. But you get what I'm saying here. Um, if it's Abu Dhabi, does that, does that kill the – the mood does it matter it doesn't matter to me because i've been to abu Dhabi before and i've seen that the islands that they make i was out there with uh sheikh tahnoon who used to be a part owner of the ufc uh training with him and uh he showed me you know they they build islands out of nowhere he actually had his own personal island that they made for himself where they make them in the sea out there yeah they make them right (laughs) right in the ocean they make these islands out in the ocean just by bringing all this rocks and stuff over the period of time and they make these islands you know palm jamira uh is one of the biggest islands that they made and it's, it's absolutely extravagant but um yeah i mean a man-made fight island that's that's something else because you know and then and, there, and that's another thing is the fact that if if it's a fight if it's a fight island out there you know and, and the saudis uh i mean they, they don't got they don't got to pay for it you know what i'm saying they don't they, it's already you know that, that they they're already getting the use of it because, um, like I just told you, you know, Sheikh Tahnoon used to be a part owner of the UFC. Um, and he and his brother is the uh, he runs the country. His brother's the president of the country. So Sheikh Tahnoon is uh, you know affiliated with the UFC, and, and they you know they have the same accommodations, whatever they want. I'm not sure if it was Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Both are in the United Arab Emirates, though, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 the same. It's the same. It's the same thing. The, the family runs the UAE. As long as it's an actual island, I'll, I'll feel like I, I don't lose the romanticism. But won't it be hot as balls this summer? I mean, I guess it, oh my it's gosh. indoors. Who cares if it's got an air conditioner? But uh, summertime island, Abu Dhabi. I don't think about that when I think of, like, you know, romanticized, you know, moments. Conor McGregor walking up the beach in the sand, getting in the cage on the water. You know, I, I'm thinking, like, like – yeah. Okay. I've also secured an island. Thank you, Dana. Indeed. But but when it, but when it comes down to it, there's no place that's more luxurious than than Abu Dhabi, Dubai. So this island will will be macked out. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be super luxurious. Well, one of the fight cards, the next pay-per-view, is planned for July 11th. Originally, that was going to be the International Fight Week card in Vegas. You typically see a lot of title bouts. UFC 251 is targeted for Fight Island, Rashad. And did you see Ariel Hawani's report about who might be on that card? Three title fights. If things go the way as planned, although none of them are signed, it would be. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, two for the feather mm. title. It would be Peyotre Jan versus Jose Aldo for the vacant Bantamweight title. And it would be your boy, Kamaru Usman, against an opponent to be named. And let me translate that. It probably means which one of Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards is willing to take less money to take that fight. Either way, I love it. If those three go on as planned, that's that. that that ish is going to sell, Rashad. That that'd be some big business. That's that's a great ass card. 
It will be a car. It'd be a great car, man. I mean, that'd be that'd be the blockbuster that they'll be able to tell uh, and be able to gauge if they should have any other blockbusters after that. You know what I'm saying? That would be the true gauge to say, okay, look, maybe we don't even need a live gate because what this did right here, it just showed that we're crushing everything. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, this this could be a true true test for that. Well, I'm not going to you know sit here. I mean, there's differences between different countries. There's differences between Saudi Arabia and the UAE. But we do know one common thread out there, Rashad. Money and a willingness to spend it. I mean, specifically in Saudi, they're throwing money at WWE or Anthony Joshua to bring sports there. Maybe this is Dana's way of being able to still put on the big fights during a pandemic, not just because he's got a location where international fighters can fly to, but maybe there's some heavy site fees there oh, yeah. that, that, that can pay for the Masvidal types to get close to what they deserve. Hmm. That's, that's the way we got to be thinking because that's the way I'm sure the UFC's thinking about it. And they have a hot product and they have, you know, willing customers who will pay for it. You know, the, the UAE, um, they, they want those big fights out there. They want that kind of attraction out there. That is a, um, a big place for entertainment. If you ever go to the EFC, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, super safe, um, super, you know, tourist friendly. It's a, it's a wonderful place. So they want to bring more people to the country to have that experience. All right. Let me close with a couple of true or false lightning round to Rashad about what the future looks like are you ready sir i'm ready will we have full arenas for a ufc fight by february 1st 2021 true or false no false uh will john jones fight in 2020 true or false false did conor mcgregor as dana insinuate have made more money off of whiskey sales that he does never have to fight again true or false False. <laughs> Absolutely false. Is Antonina on a sneaky level the hotter Shevchenko sister? <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, will Gilbert Burns get the opportunity to fight his teammate this year? True or false? True. Oh, that'd be that'd be interesting right there. Uh, will Rashad Evans accept a professional fight by the end of twenty twenty two? True. I will accept it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Hey, okay. All right. All right. Uh, will Rashad Evans make an appearance with AEW another time in his life? True. Oh, okay. Okay. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love that. I love that ish right there. All right. Thank you, Rashad. Uh, that's the show for this week. Hope you, you enjoyed UFC 250. We're going to be back later this week with a preview of UFC Fight Night coming at you from the Apex. I versus Calvillo. We'll have a nice chat with Jessica I to set things up. Uh, for the Hall of Famer, Rashad Evans, it is your boy, BC, at State of Combat on Twitter. Rashad, do you have any message for your peeps as we exit? I just want to uh, just, you know, send some love, some light out to people, and just stay, uh, stay, um, stay, 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 uh, stay together, man, and just kind of Stay focused and um, keep praying. You're going to do what I want you to do, and that's just the bottom line. Keep, keep praying. Okay, that's what Rashad says. The Stone Cold Rashad said so. Two words. We out.